It's a daily podcast. And we're at uh, 145 uh, December the 7th. Although uh, for you it might still be the 6th. Uh, I was back at work this weekend and I was talking to uh, a 13 year old uh, student uh, in my class and I, her English is pretty good. I asked her um, in a mixture of Thai and English why so few um, young people come to learn English and her response was quite very insightful and very interesting. Uh, she basically said that the reason why more students don't come and learn is because that uh, they believe that uh, the parents believe and that's passed on to the students that they need to keep hold of Thai culture and they have a fear of losing it if they immerse themselves in English. Uh, the idea that uh, for some somehow that learning English is going to replace all things Thai by all things Western. Well, uh, I've been thinking a lot about that comment. Um, it doesn't surprise me a great deal, but I think it's uh, very insightful for a young person to be thinking that. And it's also very troublesome. The question is, who puts this idea in children's or adults or uh, anyone's minds that this notion of losing your culture in your own country? So I'm going to take a little closer look at um, what I believe is the fundamental problem uh, that leads to this way of thinking. Nationalism. Uh, now, nationalism uh, is an ideology, a belief system that the individual's loyalty and devotion to the nation state surpasses any other individual group interests. Nationalism is relatively new, although throughout history people have been attached to where they were born, the traditions of their parents and their established uh, land territories. But the idea of nationalism in a modern sense arrived in the 18th century. Uh, and it, it's basically the molding uh, of public and private life as one great single uh, factor in that a country's existence. Uh, examples of ma ma I will go on and explore a little bit more in a minute, but examples that uh, help us to understand uh, any situation in which a, a nation comes together for a specific cause or reaction to an event um, could be described as nationalism. Um, the waving of flags and passionate singing of the national anthem, nationalism. The great amount of support by citizens of a nation for their athletes in sporting competitions, such as the Olympics. 
that was a, a fly. Uh, and if we look at America, uh, the unity that was shown after the events of September 11th with the uh, aircraft going into the World Trade Center. Uh, also, uh, Germany in the 30s, when Adolf Hitler managed to unite uh, all the German people, not all of them, but most of them, uh, with various uh, techniques. And uh, the expansion of a, a, a European country through colonialism, occupying other parts of the world and imposing their methods, their beliefs, their systems on that country. We can see that quite evidently uh, around the world, particularly in Africa and Asia and South America by the British, the Spanish, the French and the Portuguese. Uh, the, also, on a, on a smaller uh, uh, basis, when you elect a, a, a national party, like, for example, in 2007 in Scotland, and uh, um, staying with England, symbols such as the Union Jack and songs such as Royal Britannia, these are all considered nationalism. Okay, now, why is it dangerous? Now, this is the important bit. Um, let's look at Trump, what he said recently uh, and it, uh, it exposes quite clearly the nationalism what our plan he said our plan will put America first Americanism uh, and not globalism will be our credo as long as we are led by politicians who will not put America first then we can be assured that other nations will not treat America with respect so this America first, it may not appear to be harmful or irrational, uh, but uh, let's consider it a bit closer. Uh, a passionate investment in one's country over and above uh, is neither good or neutral over and above other countries. Okay, over and above other parts of the world, other peoples. Now, why is it dangerous? Well, nationalism is a form of group thinking, in-group thinking, and out-group thinking. It encourages us-versus-them attitude, which draws sports fanaticism. It makes people irrationally committed to one team. When the team wins, they feel victorious. And when they, uh, when they feel pleasure, they feel pleasure in others' defeats. George Orwell put it succinctly. A nationalist is one who thinks solely or mainly in terms of competitive prestige. His thoughts always turn on victories, defeats, triumphs and humiliations. Committed to winning at all costs with power-seeking and superiority as the only real goal. Nationalists feel justified in hurting the people of other countries. Selfishness and a will to power instead of morality, mutual benefit or long-term stability exists. It becomes the driving force of foreign policy by that country and broken agreements, violence and indifference to suffering 
and other harms to countries and their peoples are also uh, a factor. Right, so let's move on finally then to a little look at Orwell, who I find particularly uh, useful in understanding nationalism. Uh, so when Americans say America's the greatest country on earth, that's nationalism. When other countries are framed as competitors instead of allies or potential allies, that's a nationalism. Okay, so let's switch to Orwell then. Um, by nationalism, he said, I mean, first of all, the habit of assuming that human beings can be classified like insects and that whole blocks of millions or tens of millions of people can be confidently labelled either good or bad. Secondly, and this is much more important, the habit of identifying oneself with a single nation or other unit, placing it beyond good and evil and recognising no other duty than that of advancing his interests. Here we are looking at obsession of a particular belief system, uh, indifference to the notion of reality. Uh, they're more concerned with the uh, notion of uh, uh, convincing others that uh, everything other than what we believe is uh, uh, not true. Drawing on dishonesty as a means of justifying one's opinion and also become power hungry by self-deception. So, I could go on. In conclusion, I just want to ask a, a question of you, for all of you out there. I want you to consider yourself within the framework of your particular nation and ask, are my leaders, are my educators, are the people in my media that provide me with information, are these examples of what I could consider to be nationalism? This is vitally important because uh, for nationalism to thrive, it requires a vast quantity of people to remain silent and accepting and ignorant and the ones who believe in this system are of course active and dynamic so if you find that you are living in this situation you now need to preach that awareness to the silent majority as this is the only method by which you can combat this. Okay, a bit of a heavy political podcast today. I'll be interested to know your comments. Uh, as I say, I'm an internationalist and I am extremely critical of nationalism wherever it exists. 
in Thailand, in England, in America, in the Middle East, in parts of Asia. I'm critical of all uh, nationalism all over the world. Okay, that's my podcast for today.